Alex Sesto joining us on The Passive Hang for episode 60. Alex is a movement teacher who resides in London, England. And what you'll find out is Alex runs a lot of different projects, including the Flow State Collective and the Human Experience, which is all centered around his concept of full spectrum health. So we get to hear how he defines this concept. It's a great conversation, which covers a lot about personal practice and personal narrative. So we're going to get started. I'll see you in the episode. Hey guys, it's Fayon here, and we're back once again with another episode of The Passive Hang. I have Alex Sesto on the podcast. Welcome to The Passive Hang, Alex. Thank you for having me. You are located over in the UK, a movement teacher as well, part of uh, the Flow State Collective, which is really cool. I do uh, encourage listeners to go check out you know, the content that you guys spread out there, a lot of really interesting ideas and games and uh, concepts. Um, but yeah, really, really glad to have you here as part of the show. And I was thinking maybe just to kick it off to give the listeners a bit of context. Well, what might a typical day look like for you just like you know from start to finish what what is what does the real life look like Mm -hmm. so for me a typical day starts about 5 to 5 15 in the morning Uh, quite an early riser i'm really big into having a morning routine and i've got a little daughter i've got a three-year-old she just turned three last saturday I like to get up before all of the, the madness uh, begins for the day and just have, have a, a, a good amount of time to myself. And so the morning routine will consist of um, a bit of breath work, meditation. Um, also, I t- take something called hape, which is a, a plant medicine. It's a tobacco that you, you blow into your own nostrils and it's quite grounding and uh, quite meditative. So I go through a process of that. Um, and then I drink uh, something called shilaji. A shilajit tea, which is I don't know, have you heard of a shilajit before? Hey. It's it's um it's a mineral resin that's from the Himalayas, and it's it's got about eighty six different minerals in it, and it's all this organic plant material where the mountains are sort of pushing themselves together. It's creating this sort of tar like substance that's just full of minerals, and um, got introduced to it about six months ago, and just been introducing that as, as part of to replace my my morning coffee, so I have that instead now. Um, and then I go through some guided breath work. So I subscribe to a guy called um, Breathe with James, who teaches breath work online and does lots of different guided breath work protocols. About fifteen to twenty minutes. Then I'll just mobilise. Nothing too crazy. I'm not you know, hanging out reps or anything like that. I just like to just do lots of kind of rotational movements, some spinal waves, just to come into my body. And then I'll sit down and I journal for. 15 to 20 minutes um, journaling is something another practice that I, I found during I, I kind of touched on it a little bit before the pandemic but during the lockdown periods I, I really uh, got into journaling did a, a couple of different journaling courses and found it huge hugely beneficial so now that's uh, something I do in the morning and it's just a, a consciousness stream it's literally just what getting out anything that's in my head at that moment whatever that might be and that that varies quite a lot from from day to day in terms of what's in the mind then um depending on the day i'll either have um 
virtual sessions pretty early in the morning with clients, so training people through through the laptop, which is a, a new thing as also from from the pandemic that I didn't ever used to do, but um, was convenient in, in, as a way to keep working. And um, you know, some people have stuck with that even as lockdowns lifted because of you know the convenience for them as well. Um, or I'm I'm out the house and heading to wherever I might be training people for that day. It could be someone's house or a park or a local studio. There's a, there's a, I'm quite spread out across London, different places. And I'll have clients that I see one-to-one throughout the day, um, in the morning. Then I'll inevitably have a break probably around mid-morning and generally use these breaks to work on some of the other projects that I've got that are outside of the one-to-one side of things. So I'm sure we'll talk about all these things as well. There's something called the human experience that I'm, I'm, I'm working on as that uh, requires a good amount of time to be dedicated to, to nurturing. And then other sort of areas that we're, where we're taking Flow State Collective. So we'll have, have a meeting with Bo, the guy who I run Flow State Collective with. Uh, I, t- I tend not to eat any food until after lunch. I like to fast throughout the morning so you usually do between 14 and 16 hour fast i have my first meal you know around 12 or one o'clock in the afternoon depending on the day um then more one-to-one sessions throughout the afternoon and the i've restructured my my days now so back again before the whole pandemic and lockdown i would in the evenings i would often be working till pretty late at night and get home and wouldn't wouldn't see my daughter she'd have already gone to bed and then I realized during lockdown that I was missing so much of her life I'd wake up before she and leave before she'd woken up and then I'd get back and she'd already gone to bed and so days I just wouldn't see her and then I realized during lockdown I was spending lots of time with her just at home I thought this is this is not this is not okay you can't you can't be missing this amount of of time with your child so uh, I tend to finish my my days working with uh, clients by 4 5 p.m so i can get home and have, have some time pick her up for nursery some days and get back and family time in the evening dinner relaxing maybe read a book just chill out get ready i try to try to get a nice early night another thing that i that I, I started to instill during lockdown and pandemic was getting to bed early so getting to bed early so that so that when i do wake up early i feel really rested at that time mm. so I tried to get to bed by 9 30 10 p.m because I was a bit of a, a bit of a night owl for a while so I'd, I'd, I think because I'd come back from work and I'd you know I'd get home you know about 8 30 9 p.m but then I'd eat and then I wouldn't want to go to bed Im- immediately it would just feel like I needed some time to chill so I'd end up staying up until I don't know, you know, 11, 30, 12 o'clock and mm. then trying to get up again super early and just, just not enough sleep. And so just really just trying to look after myself as much as I can and be, and be gentle with myself and my schedule. So that's, that's a kind of rough day that incorporates a lot of one-to-one sessions and then a lot of working on projects outside of that, um, various meetings with whoever's involved in those and whatnot. I didn't hear you mention where you actually fit in your own training time. <laughs> yeah good point actually so that is that has been something that has re- more recently has been a lot more difficult to to fit in with a lot of everything that's been going on so what I tend to do is 
so this is this that's that the way the way it works not every day is as busy like that with clients that would be like a busy client day and make and, and on some of the busy client days i actually i don't fit in any um of my own training but then other other days when it's a bit less busy i'll get my own training in so my practice will be usually i like to train in mid-morning so i'll have my early morning clients and i'll I'll often have a day where I don't have anyone over lunchtime and then I have people in the later afternoon. So I've got a good window of you know, three or four hours I can train. I, like, I would quite like to train and have a good amount of time to, to you know, just get into it slowly and build build up into it and, and not, not be rushing it. Although when I see clients, they tend to be one hour sessions for my own training. I do like to spend considerably longer than that training. I try, I try, uh, try to prolong it a little bit rather than squeeze it into an hour. Mm-hmm. And so yeah I, I generally get those kind of sessions in about three times a week yeah nice so like the longer training sessions is actually um not too much throughout the throughout the week but i guess when you're leading all these classes and also leading the one one-to-ones as well you're sort of almost inadvertently getting practice in as well right yeah it, it tends to be that way if you know if, if i'm working with somebody on locomotion for instance i tend to do quite a lot of the of the work as well because constantly demonstrating and you know it's just enjoyable to to play with the patterns with with people so i tend to get a lot of that kind of work done when i'm working with with clients as well and then the other sort of other side of training i like to you know do do alone or you know we we, we meet up quite a lot with the the guys that are involved in flow state and we'll, we'll train together and uh it's always nice to have people around you know We've had enough isolation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time to interact, right? And enjoy that feeling exactly. once again. Exactly. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about, um, yeah, in the morning, it sounded like you had quite a few interesting rituals about, you know, either where, whether it's like clearing the mind or focusing and generating energy as well. You know, you had a number of things that you were consuming, which I've never heard about, to be honest. And then mm-hmm. with the breath work as well, that is an area that I've been experimenting with quite a lot with, so using that as a substitution for coffee as well, uh, which has been mm-hmm. really interesting. But um, yeah, once I hear you expand a bit more about how you've explored that practice. Yeah, it's, it's been fascinating. So breath work has been something that has, I've, I've been hearing about for the past few years really and had little dabbles into bits and pieces of it and, and found it really interesting. And then got introduced to a friend who is a breathwork practitioner who comes on who comes along to my retreats now and, and delivers breathwork through those and here meeting and hearing someone that's so passionate about it and is, and is able to take you through a, a practice was was really interesting and definitely inspired me to to dive more deeply into it and I found it really interesting just the different ways that you can you know regulate your nervous system you know, explore different protocols to bring out difficulties or, you know, elevate yourself or bring yourself down and exploring them has been, has been really interesting. Um, so that's, it felt like something I wanted to do every day, like you say, to energize and to, to, to sort of set my mind, I suppose, and to align it. Um, one of the things through the journaling course as well is that through going through that, I defined what I feel like my, my purpose is. And I feel like when I do the breath work, I'm able to clear the space in my mind to help me connect to that in the best possible way and think, okay, right, I know today I need to serve 
my, you know, this, this sort of higher version of myself that is aligned to this purpose in the best possible way. I like that. So it's like this positioning of the breathwork before the journaling. It's like a prep, mm-hmm. preparation before you enter into, I guess, like sometimes the empty page, right, can also be a bit confronting because you're like, oh, what's going to come out? Mm-hmm. You know how it is. You know, I wake up in the morning and I'm sure lots of people like this where, you know, you start once the thinking mind starts to come on, you start thinking, oh, I've got to send this to that person. I've got to do that. Oh yeah, I've got to pay this. I've got to do that. You know, and you start thinking of all these things and then the mind starts to get filled with all of this, this, this content that is, is, is required of you throughout the day. So I feel like when I have this breath work, because you, you've got this single point of focus, you know, you, you, you don't have space for all of that. It just, it's, uh, it's like clearing the table, you know? for you to to write on a nice clear table you don't want to write on a table that's full of junk you want to write on a table that's nice and clear you've just got your your pen and your pad and yeah you're ready to go mm-hmm. so how about your training at the moment like what are you working on what does that look like the so training at the moment so i'm doing a lot of a lot of locomotion at the moment so really just working on various different transitions and i tend to see things that i, I find really interesting on Instagram or other social media channels and I'll bookmark them and think, okay, let me have a look at that. How did that person do that? And then I love the process of, of unpacking how a movement or a transition that I haven't been able to do before is, is done. And that is, that process is, is, is always really humbling. And it's a process that I've come to come to really enjoy being the beginner, you know, and, and sucking at something at the start and then, gradually gradually sucking a little bit less and a little bit less mm-hmm. and then oh okay right well, I feel like I can do this now <laughs> it's um and I feel like I really I, I feel quite hungry to to feel that sensation or those 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 feelings quite often and to put myself in in there so yeah it's funny I always say to people that in training you, you spend a lot of time not like kind of sucking at what you're doing because you're trying to push yourself to the, the sort of limits of, of what's possible for you at that time um so i mean the way that we, we structure training through flow state is or through the classes is we have the idea of, of linear strength which is lots of stuff rooted in gymnastics so rings handstands anything where we're you know set up quite mm-hmm. evenly to exert force and then non-linear strength where we're coming out of alignment and this tends to be the more gamified drills where we're twisting and turning and still trying to control our body through space or from point a to point b but just in a very non-linear fashion so maybe you know we're in contralateral balance or ipsilateral balance or we're adding some rotational aspect to, into the movement but just um there's a there's another layer of, of body organization that's required and then then locomotion so that's and that's the way i structure my own training as well so i have some sort of locomotive project i'm working on at the moment is a, a couple of different qdr transitions that i'm trying to piece together and that are they're starting to come together I'm, 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 I'm not in the sucking stage now anymore i've moved out of that into the sucking a little bit less stage and uh, and exploring that and then um, in terms of linear strength i'm focusing on the handstand push-up that's the that's the, the push push related drill and then for rings the uh, the one arm chin is something that i'm working on as well and then mobility wise pancake is what i'm focusing on it's been a bit of a nemesis of mine so that's where i'm at with those 
Yeah. Those are always like such long running projects. Right. And then especially with like those ones as well, there's uh, so many times that you can just keep on returning to and refining as, as well. So, um, with those sort of sessions, like, so do you normally do everything all together at once or is there a specific sort of order? Like might you open up with locomotion or some sort of like non-linear strength drill and then progress into like the handstand push up and then something else or yeah. How do you order things around? Usually I, if, if, um, I mean, quite often I wouldn't do necessarily all of them in, in one session, you know, I'd, I'd have a day where I do focus on one and then a day on, on another and a day on another. But um, if I was going to order them, I would, I would do the locomotion first. You know, I like to kind of mobilize because I feel like you can start quite gently with that, move into certain ranges, start to load the wrists a little bit and just open up the joints. Um, so t- I would tend to do that before jumping into anything else. And I just feel like I feel really connected to my body once I've moved around, got my hands down on the ground and interacted with the floor a little bit. Yeah, I find with that, sometimes it's really nice to to do that, but to almost like restrict some of the movements to a competency level where you're like quite comfortable at, right? Because sometimes then if you overreach, then you might get stuck or you might go, okay, like now I just want to like jump into doing that move, like, you know, like QDR transitions, and then you've just like mm-hmm. <laughs> cooked yourself for, for everything else. So it's a bit of a, a dangerous game, you know, when you st- start getting into the state and start getting a bit excited as well yeah yeah for sure and you know you know with some things like the the qdr transitions they're quite intensive obviously on on the wrists and they require quite a lot of um strength and concentration so you know they, they, you, you don't tend to be able to find flow when you're at that sort of stage of learning mm-hmm. the movement you're just sort of um, trying to unpack it trying to understand it and so yeah definitely it's it's nice to go back into movements that you do have a much more level of competency and comfort with that you can just, then you can, you know, just, just flow. And that's what, you know, that's what flow state is, is really about is about being immersed in that present moment, you know, so that the, the thing with flow state is that if the, the challenge of the task isn't at the, at the skill level, you can't enter flow. So if the challenge is too hard, you know, like these, these QDR transitions are at the mm-hmm. moment and you can't enter flow, but if, and if it's too easy, then you're just thinking about, you know, what you're going to eat for, dinner and so but when it's when you find this sweet spot that's where that's where flow is and so that's um, what i like to try to to find through uh, particularly through locomotion but you know through through all movement i think it's, it's mm. quite nice to try to achieve that layer of, of mindfulness when it comes to moving the body yeah it's a magical feeling isn't it and uh, i was wondering mm. then with um how i guess do you sit down and write yourself a program as well with the projects and how everything will look like over the the coming months or yeah what's your sort of process in that regard i do do. so with the locomotion stuff i tend not to be too rigid with the programming for that because i think the nature of it it's it's more playful you know it's more exploratory and um i think for me at the moment where i'm at with that is i'm still very much at an integration sort of phase of of my practice with it i find uh improvisation quite quite tricky still it's you know when you've got this blank canvas and so i tend to tend to focus on just different integrations figuring out how one 
movement connects to another, how all those movements connect to this and just putting together patterns. So I'll often just explore building sequences and, and, and exploring them, figuring out how to link them together. But then with the, the linear strength work, I that tends to be more, more programmed, more tailored to, you know, whatever the, the project is. Um, just because I feel like with that, the, the, the rigidity is more helpful, you know, to understand, right, how many reps am I doing? How many sets? You know, what's the, what's the timing of the reps? How, how long am I controlling the eccentric for? And, and so I like to, like to do that to, to measure the progress more. Because I feel like with measuring progress with locomotion, it's, it's, um, it's a lot more fluid. So mm. it's a bit of both. I think the, the locomotion has, has more of a free form playful approach to and more exploratory and then in the linear projects and things like this the one arm chin will be a lot more programmed so focusing on you know a specific amount of reps you know how long am i isometrically holding for how long am i eccentrically coming down for and having that, that really really focused and really uh, tuned in and how do you select goals for yourself like why these goals at the moment did you um did that come as part of, you know, like that journaling process or is this just something that, um, yeah, how, how did it sort of manifest for you? With, with things like this, it's, I've just gravitated towards things that, I, you know, I find interesting things that I feel like, oh, that's, that's, a, that's a goal. That's something I'd really like to be able to do. So it's, it's really just about the things that light me up and the things that have, have excited me. And it's been interesting. So the, the, my development with, with, uh, physically with a lot of these things has, has just been really about finding something that, that really lights me up and piques my interest and then wanting to understand how how to unpack it how, how can I get my you know I've seen somebody else's body able to perform this how do I how do I get this body to do it what's what are my limitations what's stopping me from being able to do it how do I understand to get to this point a to, to point b and um and you know like over time things change and it's, it's always interesting because I used to get super, super attached to setting a goal and wanting to achieve it by a specific time. And then, you know, time would go, things would, things would happen, time would go by and then I'm, I might not achieve it by the, the time I'd set and then I'd be annoyed with myself. And, and then I remember I, I wasn't really training. This was way back before I could do a, a press to handstand, straddle press to handstand. And, and I wasn't directly training yet. And then after one session, I thought, oh, let me, let's have a go. Let's see if I can get, and I, and I was able to do it. And it's interesting because I hadn't put any pressure on myself because it wasn't something that I was specifically working on. And then was, was able to, to do it. And I just sort of thought, okay, well, maybe it's just about not being too hard on yourself and just, you know, showing up all the time, getting the work done and just enjoying the process and not and being less attached to the, the specific you know, outcome and uh, that, that I found that quite liberating it's quite mm. quite nice to just think you know I'm gonna I'm gonna keep moving my body because another thing actually um, that, um Will, Will Brown said to me really resonated that was uh, you know if you were to not progress anymore from today would would you still train it's like yeah of course for sure so it's, you know progress is nice but it's not what it's all about it's and I trained for so many other reasons other than progress so it was it was quite liberating in that sense um, to just think, okay, well, I'm just here. I'm going to train. I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to follow these things that really interest me and try to unpack them. But when, and when, when, they, uh, when they come online and they're, uh, they're possible for me, mm -hmm. 
so be it you know we'll just enjoy the journey along of, of figuring it out that's really interesting with that um with minus the progress yeah would mm -hmm. you still be conducting yourselves in the activities that we do because i think you know we're always so orientated towards growth and potential right and figuring out parts it's kind of like interlinked with this like uncovering the the identity and like this is uh where i could head but without that and just um it's almost like just the activity itself it's like do you innately really just enjoy doing that it's a nice mm. reflection question i really enjoy yeah no it's, it's it's super interesting because i think so much of the the fitness industry as a whole as a whole in general is progress 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 and yes obviously progress is, is great but i think all of us would still be out there moving you know if if the oracles told us you're never going to progress a single bit more from today it's not like you're like well i'll forget it and i'm not going to bother you know we'll all still be out there all the time so there's something else there's something else that's it and it's it's like anything you know it's about the journey it's about the it's not about the destination and i remember ido talking about the, the day that he got his one arm handstand was you know a sad day <laughs> it was because it's you know it's oh it's it's kind of it's fleeting isn't it when you achieve something it's like okay that's possible now. Okay. Now what, you know, and it's, it's, um, it's just the continued thing, you know, it, it's not like we're ever going to get to a point where we've done, we've, 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 you know, we've ticked all the boxes that we wanted to tick. all the goals are done. Okay. We're done now. It's, it's continual, you know, as long as we're in this body, we're going to keep moving. So let's just enjoy the process, you know, do the work and see what comes up as uh, throughout that journey. See what things or boxes do get ticked. Yeah. And for me, that was a really, um, liberating approach especially as as i've had children and time is 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 is, is a less of a of a commodity for me yeah. and um just being able to sort of relax into it and think okay you know i'm in this body i'm going to keep enjoying moving it you know i, I know that there's still there's still uh, things to be unlocked that will be unlocked but i'm not gonna i'm gonna put mad pressure on myself as to when that happens i'm just gonna keep keep showing up keep moving keep enjoying it yeah, I was going to ask, um, asking from one father to another, how do you juggle, you know, the demands of a sometimes rigorous physical practice with the responsibilities of uh, a family? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's challenging. You know, I think before you have children, you, you sometimes think you don't have time, but then you do. You have so much time. <laughs> you have so much time. Um, and I'm actually, we're about to have another one. We've got another one due in January. So oh, Congratulations. Um, thank you thank you and so um obviously that those demands will get more and more but you know I, I know what it's like you know i've had spells where training time has been very difficult for me to get and i, I just i see what that does to me mentally and just where i where i'm at in terms of my own happiness and i need to be moving it something is it's a requirement for my well-being that, that that needs to happen i know i'm a very, very physical person and this is this has been a learning that i've had um that's kind of come at me quite harshly throughout my life and in, in other in, in many other areas where i've realized how important movement is to me to, to to stay sane and to stay healthy and so you know it's it's something that just has to happen you know it's and i, li I like i like to move in front of my, my daughter for her to see it as well for her to you know because i think it's so important for them to see you you know moving into sit and to, to see that okay right adults 
adults don't just sit around and, and do, do this. They, they sometimes uh, are on the floor and upside down and <laughs> doing all these other things. And so I think, um, and it's great because she, she loves it. She, um, you know, they, I'm sure you're, have you got a boy, is it a boy or a girl? It's a girl, yeah. After your little girl, I'm sure your little girl, um, you know, it's, it's the same when she sees you moving and you know, wants, to, wants to kind of, uh, you know, do something themselves. And I think uh, I've always, well, part, part of my, my uh, you know, my, my dharma and my purpose that I've defined is that I want to live a life that inspires my children to be great. And part of that is, is them developing and, and nurturing a real deep relationship with their own physicality. Mm. And how did all this start for you? It sounds like, you know, you, you've been, it's quite like an interesting journey. It seems like you're saying like you've, you've realized a few things, um, you know, with, uh, you just mentioned the Dharma as well, but maybe if we also like uh, use the context of the physical realm and the physical practice as well, like, um, mm-hmm. like how did it all start from you? Have you always been like, you mentioned you've always been very physical as well. So like, when did it start becoming, I guess, contextualized as, as a movement practice and what was before then? Right, so yeah, I, I played football growing up, um, soccer, football, football, they call it football. Um, and I started, I, I joined the ranks of Arsenal Football Club when I was 10 and was progressed through the ranks there, went full-time at 16. So football was a huge part of my, my early childhood and teenage years. Um, and then I got released when I was 18 went to various other football clubs over here in the, in the lower leagues before heading out to the US. I uh, had a, a scholarship, so I played for another four years in um, Florida, Alabama and Florida. Um, and then I came back from the US and, I, and I, while I was out there, I did a marketing degree because at the time I remember I was just, it's, it's terrible really when I reflect on it, but I really was, I, I went out there because I just was thinking, okay, well, I get to play football for four more years and, and the sun, great. And I didn't really have a huge sort of, um, didn't pay a huge amount of attention to what I was going to study. So I, I ended up studying marketing, which, you know, I remember at the time people were like, yeah, it's quite general. There's lots of jobs in it. So I thought, okay, cool. Maybe we'll do that. And got back from uni and thought, okay, well, I guess I should get a job in marketing. And then got so the first time now, and so then this was the first point in my life that I'd had a desk job. So all of a sudden I'd gone from having movement exercise, running around as a daily part of my schedule for my entire life. And then all of a sudden I just completely stopped that. I'm sitting at a desk for hours and hours a day. And I'd never, I hadn't really ever put the two and two together of, you know, the, your emotional mental well-being being so linked to being able to physically run around but um on reflection i realized that over the five years that i was at this in this job i, I kind of sunk into a depression and, and I, I was never a, a gym guy really i was um you know i liked sport i didn't really like running for running's sake i liked running if you're running for a purpose if i'm running to get the ball or, or something like that but i didn't like to just run and so I ended up sinking into a depression, ended up really um, getting into partying, drug taking, living for the weekend and just um, kind of drowning my sorrows and um, sort of drowning the misery that my life was Monday to Friday and just living for that. And then it all came to a head where I ended up quitting my my full-time job, relationship breakdown, and then 
I just, I, I remember I started to train. There was a, where I lived in the local park that had a little calisthenics area. And I just started going down there and, and training. And, and I just, it felt so good because it felt like I was, this was a point in my life where a lot, lots of things felt out of control. So, you know, my personal life it felt out of control. My professional life felt out, felt out of control. You know, one thing I felt like I had control over was my, my body because I literally did. And I really enjoyed figuring out how to control my body. So I remember I got a, a set of um, parallettes and that was the first sort of uh, tool that I, I had that I would explore L-sits and L-sit transitions and all these things. I just really enjoyed the feeling of, of trying to move my body through space and control it. And I started reading up on uh, Christopher Summers' work and you know, gymnastics. And that was the first sort of window into bodyweight training that I got was this sort of gymnastic approach and understanding you know, scapular control and, and, and the rings and all of these different things. So kind of got introduced to it through that and then, then came across Ido Portal at some point and thought, wow, that's, he, that's amazing. That's really interesting that somebody you know, can, can move in, in that way. Didn't understand it at all. Didn't really know how to start training myself in that way, but just thought super interesting. Then ended up going to some, some workshops with him. He came over to the UK and it was really interesting. Really like he gave me a different lens to look through in terms of how a human body can be trained. Found it super inspiring. And that was around the same sort of time as well that I'd um, met Bo, who's the guy that I do Flow State Collective with now. And it was really good to have another person who was on the same path in terms of what they were being exposed to and learning. And then, so we started to train together and to unpack a lot of the ideas that we'd learned in the workshops because the workshop was, there was some content there that, you know, could keep you, keep you busy unpacking for, you know, a long, long time. You know, there's still things that I go back to from some of the stuff that I learned there that, that you can still keep unpacking. And then, you know, things just progress from there. And I think, like I say, having, having somebody else to, to bounce ideas off of and to train with, because there's a lot of people doing this sort of thing over here. And I was working at a, a big um, corporate gym, gym called Gym Box over here, you know, rolling around on the floor, you know, not, not many people doing that sort of stuff um, over here. So it was nice to have another person to kind of be a bit weird with and explore some different ways of training. and. Um, and we, our practice, our practice developed more and more, and then we sort of felt like, right, we want to bring more people into this because it's it's type of thing that's really great to do as a group and bring other people. That's when we decided to set up the the group and, and the training group and start to work with, with people there. And and that was over the years has been a really interesting uh, lab, I suppose, to, to 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 sort of explore things that we found interesting and see how you know see how it works when we, we give this to a group and see how people interact with this kind of content and material and over the years it's just it's been so interesting sort of seeing how we've developed as coaches and our ability to deliver you know, interesting movement sessions that, that, that get people to to think a little bit outside the box and it's uh, gradually evolved into you know what what flow state is now which has sort of become something that's quite bigger even bigger than just the movement side of things you know yeah what an interesting and great journey and um yeah it sounds like this really became a practice that kind of like saved you from the depths of a very challenging time right so i can see how it mm -hmm. you know i can see your purpose and why you want to share it as well if it you know really has enriched your life which is really great to um 
great, great to hear. And so have, have you gone about like learning a lot of this stuff just through like peer collaboration and workshops or did you learn from somebody as well for a time? Yeah. Well, what about that journey? Yeah. So then, so we, Bo and I have been to a few of uh, Edo's workshops um, and also um, Tom Wexler, the guy over here. Um, and then a lot of it has been through our kind of collaboration and exploring ideas together. We've, um, it's been really, it's been really organic in, just in terms of how we've met each other and the way that we have developed the, the practice that we teach now. And it's, it, it's been really interesting because he'll bring something to the table and we'll unpack it. And then, you know, and then I'll bring something in and we'll, we'll have a look at that. And I think we've just found a really interesting way of, of, of dissecting different um, different different ways of delivering movement and and the best ways to sort of share them with people in a, in a manageable way because you know the people that come to class are quite quite diverse in terms of their ability level and so it's always it's always a, a nice challenge to figure out how to deliver this stuff to people you know from all all, all different kind of uh, all different starting points you know where they're at with their physical competence. And so, yeah, it's been a lot of a lot of collaboration, a lot of um, uh, and, and workshops. Really, I haven't had um, a, a direct trainer online for any any of that sort of stuff. It's so nice and a blessing, right? I think when you find like a mutual training partner as well who's undergoing the same journey. You know, sometimes mm. when you find this movement stuff, and I know for myself for a while when I first found it, and then for a lot of the listeners, you know, it's like you find this thing, and then you're like, oh, who's out there doing this stuff? And there's there's no one, right? And then you're trying to like rack your brain, trying to figure it all out, and then yeah, you're like the weird weirdo rolling around in the ground in like a gym or on the on the grass as well, and just uh, now. Now that I'm starting to find the others as well, it's like just such a nice feeling. But the learning also just skyrockets, right? Because you yeah. trade a bit of like information that you've picked up. They also tell you something as well, and it's like, oh, okay, like it's that, that, and it's, um, mm -hmm. it just becomes exponential. Which I exactly, I really yeah, love. totally, yeah, yeah. I, I really resonate with what you're saying there as well. And you know, when when you know, years ago, I used to get really self-conscious in these gyms, especially exploring some of the locomotion stuff when it didn't, I wasn't, you know, at the level of it that I am now, you kind of feel like, you know, very self-conscious that, that people are sort of looking at you like you're, you're crazy. But, you know, when you have somebody else to do that with, it, it makes a huge difference. And, you know, now I'm more than happy and comfortable to, to be doing weird stuff anywhere <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah tell me about some of these projects such as like the flow state collective you know you touched on it quite a bit already but um mm -hmm. with you were mentioning how it's almost growing beyond the sort of a movement realm as well so yeah what, what's happening there so yeah so like, like i mentioned so that's it started as a movement group and as a way for us to really it was initially just bringing together our own individual one-to-one -one clients to just come and move together as a group and to start to sort of create a bit of a, a culture and a community around movement just because I think they're so valuable that, you know, community is, is everything, you know. And so over the years, that's, you know, it's, it's been a sort of staple part of, of what we do is these, these movement, movement classes. But what's, what that's evolved to now is that, and this has kind of evolved with, where we're at as well and what we want to the content we want to put out because i feel like everything 
up to this point has been me being passionate about wanting to share things that, that I feel have changed my life and have made me um, you know, find happiness and find joy in you know, the pursuit of a, of a better moving body. But then what we've kind of realized is that, you know, true health is, is not just about movement. Movement is one, one part of it. And so what we've, we've come up with a philosophy for what we call full spectrum health. And full spectrum health we see as being uh, underpinned by four pillars of well-being. And these, these, and really this is about simplifying the process of living a life oriented to health and offering a pathway towards thriving as a, as a human. And so we, you know, we definitely see movement as, as a part of that, but it is one part. So the, the four pillars are, are motion, which is about moving your body restoration, which is about replenishing your vessels. So this is hydration, water, sleep, um, these kind of things. So making sure we're eating organic, seasonal, locally sourced foods, introspection, which is about nurturing the mind. This is about breath work, meditation, you know, journaling to some extent, trying to, you know, understand yourself, understand your, your own narrative, your story, um, the myth that, that makes up who you are and in, in an empowering way. And then education. So continuing to empower yourself and to, you know, be, be climbing ladders that you want to climb in terms of knowledge and, and arming yourself with lots of tools. So th through these four pillars, we, we now are offering different avenues for people to interact with those four pillars and and ways and, and just just offering that as a framework for people to consider you know okay if i've looked i've got these four things am i am i honoring the pillar of motion am i moving my body enough you know am i am i restoring my body enough and, and sort of seeing where in on those four pillars are you sort of landing and not honoring the pillar as much as you can and for me that was you know when I realized the restoration the sleep you know the the um, looking after my body replenishing myself so that I come back with full power next time I'm ready to take on the day was something that was lacking for me and so, so it's like it's a bit like plate spinning you know you plate spinning you keep all these plates spinning of these four pillars and you know you're, you're laying the groundwork for these foundations to thrive and so through through this sort of philosophy of, of what we call full spectrum health We've, uh, we've now, we'll, we'll, from next year, we'll be delivering some retreats that are around these ideas that will play up some of the other sides of, of this, uh, uh, not just around movement. So, for instance, we're going to partner with a chef and do and have a, a supper club on the retreat that where all the food is totally aligned to uh, philosophies around things being organic, things being seasonal, things being locally sourced, um, and good, good hydration. So there's a bit of a story to tell around why we suggest that food and whatnot linking up with breathwork practitioners um meditation teachers to expose people to to these sides of things as well so and these, this will all come through the retreats and it's really it's also been something that the philosophy that has made me realize that everything i do from now and any kind of business that i get involved in has to fall into this idea of, of full spectrum health and it's it's an idea that i really am passionate about bringing to the the forefront of, of people's minds really as a, as a way as a system to honor in order to achieve um, their fullest potential so the other thing that's been born from this is uh Bo and i who do flow state collective joined forces with another two coaches a guy called elliot moga and ollie frost who mm -hmm. um, part of something called the human program and we've we've created this thing called the human experience and this is an immersive event at a farm in Surrey 
which is where we take people through guided breath work. It's all done it's out, out in nature and it's, it's covered, but it's, you know, you really get the sense that you're somewhere in a nice, open, natural environment. So it's guided breath work session, um, guided movement session that's um, very much around uh, playfulness, games, community, lots of partner work, working with lots of different partners throughout the session. So you really feel this nice, high energy connectedness. And then, um, and very non-linear as well, lots of non-linear, non-linear work. And then into an ice bath experience as well. So you've taken through a guided ice bath, got a big ice bath, about 300 kilos of ice in it, and everybody's guided through three to five minute cold dip. Then we have lunch, um, and then we have in the afternoon different soft tissue therapists that come in. So there's um, Ayurvedic yoga masseuse that comes down, a sports masseuse, reflexologist. And then we'll have, we invite different people down as well to give talks around CBD or uh, medicinal mushrooms and these kind of things. And so it's just a nice way to, it, it's almost like a day retreat for people. We kind of see it as a, a, a modern take on the spa. And um, the reason it was that, we, that came to fruition is because we just noticed that there's a bit of a disconnect or quite a lot of a disconnect, you know, people being disconnected from their physicality, from having to be sedentary, mm-hmm. people feeling disconnected from... Uh, nature you know we've been isolated indoors all the time you know out away from the elements a lot of people don't get their feet on the ground you know literally feel that connection to to nature and you know in a a big city like london it's you know it's concrete jungle um Mm -hmm. and then i think all all the all that disconnect ultimately leads to a, a disconnect to your to yourself you know and so what we wanted to do was create this thing where it's immersed in nature it's really um collaborative so you're interacting with lots of other humans you feel that connection you, at, you, know, you get your feet out on the ground you feel the cold you feel tuned into your breath and just to give people all these things you know they're simple tools it's moving your body it's breathing cold exposure things that you know we have access to and they make you feel really alive and really human and so just take people through an experience where they can tap into lots of those modalities um and we've done two now two of them and we've got one next one is on october the 23rd for that so they, they, and they've been they've been incredible really cool so we think about 40 people through through that experience and they've been super interesting um and yeah we've got lots of lots of plans for that over the next year to bring that into the corporate world as well and introduce those ideas to those kind of people and then the other thing i do i do um, i run digital detox retreats as well so three day or four-day retreats up in mm-hmm. Wales. Uh, so Wales is just adjacent to uh, England. Beautiful, mountainous scenery. Very quiet. Very like the polar opposite of, of mm-hmm. London life. You know, waterfalls and and uh, lakes and, and whatnot. And this is just an opportunity for people to put the phones down, disconnect from all of the distractions and responsibilities that are in going on in London. Now all of the WhatsApps and the DMs and the emails and the texts and the ads and the, oh, just everything, you know, the, even, even family, you know, it's, I think it's important for people to have time away from the family unit to, and it's really the, the kind of the, the idea for it is for people to have that space and that time and this open container in terms of communication to, to explore the direction that you're going in and to really unpack is to is this aligned to your own authenticity you know and if it is great go back with more confidence that you're you know you're following the path you're supposed to be following 
Um, and if it isn't, then think, okay, well, well, you know, how do I need to make these make adjustments so that I can come into more alignment with my authenticity? Wow, sounds like you got your hands full, and um, yeah, that your work really does stretch beyond just the movement sphere. I really like how you described with the uh, the four pillars, which um, you know you hear sometimes terminology like yin and yang, or like in the Ayurvedic philosophy of, of um, mm-hmm. doses and how everything split but this is like a yeah a, a new a new way which i i love hearing about as well and then even with you describing the experiences as well you know something i'd love to you know if i was over there and then come along it sounds just um you know just enriching right that especially when you spend so much time in the city you you, be, you do become desensitized to just like sensation and and feeling yeah experience right um and it's good to recharge on 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 those things and um remind yourself of how it is to how it is to feel right um uh but absolutely uh, absolutely where i wanted to actually um ask a question and this, this is a uh, probably a bit of an interesting direction to take because i think for a lot of the listeners um for the podcast uh fellow movement practitioners, teachers, that sort of thing, who maybe might be interested in organizing their own super retreats, let's call it that, because that's what <laughs> that's what it sounds like, um, these awesome retreats. How have you gone about actually, like, organizing these things and, like, you know, creating it, executing it? Like, you must be, like, a lot of work to put it all together, you know, and then get 40 mm-hmm. people there, create a really powerful experience and um, and do it again as well. So yeah how do you guys plan for it and and think about it yes i mean with the with the human experience that's been a a really collaborative effort as i'd say there's four of us that are are working on it and i think for me in the past a lot of the time i felt like i had to do everything on my own you know i felt like okay right I, i you know i need to i need to make this happen if i had an idea i felt like you know, I could only rely on myself to, to get it done. And but what I've really realized that as time's gone on is that, you know, when you do, when you are able to collaborate, when you're able to unite over a common vision with people and to create a vision that lots of people can unite around, the work just, it, it gets so, so much easier. And I think when you, when you do have uh, a, a you know, strong enough vision for what you want to create, it all becomes quite organic in terms of how, it comes to fruition and you know yes it is a lot of work there's a there's a lot of um a lot of different you know we have lots of different practitioners that are coming in to share share uh, their practices throughout the day so there's a lot of um you know admin and uh, logistics around booking that all in but i think oof, the four of us are so passionate about what we're doing with it that it, you know it feels like what we need to be doing you know and like i said before like all these things that and the, the story that i'm really passionate about bringing to to as many people as possible is this idea of, of full spectrum health and um i think that since defining that as a philosophy it's just made it's given a lot of clarity to to the projects that i need to put my put my mind to to create and, and put out into the world because i feel like they're things that are going to hugely benefit the people that come and and i feel like what we really want to do is to steer the health and fitness industry into this direction and i think the only way the only real logical way for 
the fitness and the health industry to go is this idea of holistic health. But I think sometimes holistic, the word holistic can be a little bit loaded and it can feel a little bit, um, I don't know, like, oh, yogury. And, you know, there's some, there's some, some connotations around it. So that's why we wanted to redefine it as this idea of, of full spectrum health. But it's, it's the same thing in, in the sense, you know, it's saying, right, it's the physical, it's the mental, it's the emotional, it's the nutritional, it's, it's, it's getting all of these things into alignment. And there's a lot of noise around that. It, it, it can be confusing. So I think, you, if you, I think it's quite a simple message. And the, um, I feel like I've, uh, I've gone so off topic from what you just asked me there. Um, it, it's it's um, a simple message that I think can land with people and can um, just allow them to, to tap into those areas. Um, but you asked me about how I organize these things. The other thing, so with the um, digital detox retreats, again, it was all very organic. And that was born from myself realizing you know, living and working in London, the importance of getting out from time to time, getting out of London and also having time away from the family unit, you know, time to just for myself, because I think we end up being, we fill time a lot, you know, we, we fill, you know, we'll, we'll put a podcast on, then we'll, that podcast will finish then we'll put another podcast on. Okay. Then we'll listen to this. Then we'll do that. We're just filling time, filling time, filling time. And it's like, okay, why don't you take yourself out of that environment? This is the, the, the guy who I run these with, Louis. We, we, we had a conversation around this one time just about how valuable it is to do that. And thought, okay, well, why don't we bring a group and, and try and do that? And we just, we did the first one and it was, it was amazing. It was, it, people got so much from it that then it's, it started to just kind of um, just run by itself. So now, for instance, we do, we do those retreats every six weeks and every time it's about 60 or 70 people percent of the people who've already been to one before so it's not like we're sort of grafting away trying to you know shift a load of spots because most of the people have already been before and they're coming again because they, they get so much out of it and built a nice little community around it i think so i don't know i don't know what the the secret is i mean for me it's just really about doing things i'm really passionate about and then the work that's required to to bring them into being just feels less like work you know it feels it feels like i'm i'm doing something that is that is going to be lasting that is going to benefit people and make a difference i think for me as well like part of my journaling course and something that i uh, I, I i did some writing over the lockdown period just about what things that I wanted to do as a man. And one of these things that I dove into was this idea of, of legacy and what legacy is. And, you know, legacy can be anything from just an idea that we, we start, that we leave behind. It could be, you know, a poem, a song, anything like that. But it was just the idea that there's something you can create that, that lasts longer than, than your life. And thinking about that and think, thinking about creating things with the idea that you're, you're creating a legacy, whatever you're doing, you're creating a legacy. And also thinking about one day, and this is something I did as a journal exercise, you're going to wake up as an old man, hopefully really old. And um, it's going to be the last day that you're alive. It's going to be the last day that you're alive. And, you know, I wrote during this exercise for about 20 minutes and you, you write about, okay, well, who's around you? You know, who, who did you become? What did you do? What did you manifest in this world? 
and and I'd never zoomed out to that point before about and and, and thinking about you know my life in, in that in that respect. And then it was sort of saying, okay, well, well, you've created this this amazing version of yourself that's on his on his deathbed on his last day. What's that person doing now? You know, are they just filling time with podcasts? Are they just scrolling endlessly on Instagram, or are, are they creating things and doing things? And that really gave me that was that that exercise that in itself really helped me find alignment into what do I need to do now to create that old man that I'm so I'm, I'm, I want to be on my last day you know and I had all these there's these things I want to do these things I want to create and that has really given me a lot of drive a lot of motivation to go out there and create you know the legacy that I want to leave as an as an old man when I die and I think meditating on death and and I think it's important. I think it's super valuable exercise to do because it's coming for all of us at some point, you know, and I think if you can create a version of yourself that, you know, you, you are super happy with and, you know, you're proud of that, that is, is, is going to meet that, that moment. Then it's just about reverse engineering and figuring out, okay, well, what do I need to do to become that? But because that's a version of me, it's not, it's not, a, it's not an impossibility. It's an invert. It's a version of me that is possible. So what do I need to do now to be that version of me? And that was huge. And so I think, you know, rather than any sort of specific details around what I do to make those things happen, it's really just about finding these things that, are, that I'm really passionate about that are, that are super aligned to me becoming this this version of me that I've I've created in my mind that I've, you know that I know is possible that I'm striving to to uh, try and become what's that saying uh, in Latin is it mori memento like remember that you will die yeah I, I always uh, like that saying so that reminded mm. me of, of that um yeah what's one dream in your life that you know before you die you'd like to realize um, I've always liked, loved the idea of doing so each January two back-to-back retreats in, in a beautiful, tropical, warm location and then and it's having my family out there so that we do the retreats but then the rest of January I just, we just chill out in this uh, beautiful location and then that's, that's the way I start year every year because well yeah because nice. for us january january is is cold wet rainy dark it's um it's definitely a month that you could do with skipping over here <laughs> <laughs> so um, i feel like that 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 would be that would be a dream if every year i could be doing that and you know sh- you know sharing with, with great people sharing this idea of full spectrum health movement nurturing the mind good food good water education and uh and bringing my family along there as well and, and having that as, as a, a kind of a, a ritual that happens every year for us would be would be beautiful um i, I do i love that idea that's a, definitely a dream of mine yeah i love that you know like a a yearly reset or or or, or a setting you know from from the start to for for the rest of the year yeah that's yeah. a nice dream i might yeah. still i might still that one <laughs> you can have it man we can share it <laughs> this is it this is this is what I, I i keep coming back to this idea of uniting over a common vision and it, it's something i keep talking about because I, I just feel like especially with where the world is at at the moment i think we we need to have a lot of 
a lot the more people that we can get together that do that can unite over a common vision for the future um you know the more that we can start to make make things happen that, that move in the direction of that you know and you can't do things alone you, you can, but you can when there's, there's there's a lot of you and but it just takes unity you know it takes coming together and you know i've got haven't got much confidence in the the current infrastructures and governments of the world to to get us where i feel like we need to be in terms of uh, you know our well-being and health and whatnot so i think you know we, we kind of have to have to do it outside of those uh those uh, structures and so yeah i feel like yeah having those dreams sharing them and and seeing if we can come to a point of unity to create uh, the world that we, we we know is possible for uh, for our children you know and you mentioned vision and you kind of touched on this also under your pillar of introspection as well and this can be quite a tricky thing as well because sometimes you're like can be less clear on you know your mission driven purpose or what you need to be what you're most passionate about or set your life to like what are some tools or how did you start uncovering things so that you have if, what it feels like it's like you're you're quite clear on the things that you're working on and why you're working on them so yeah how do you go about it for me it was journaling and and specifically i did a journaling course by a guy from a guy called eric godsey and um it's a 30 day course where you you know you're writing every day different different prompts and um it's, it's i suppose it's really coming to a point of understanding yourself more and his whole thing is about you know we, we all are a product of the you know we are the myths that we tell ourselves you know and it was going into past traumas so like for me it was quite a traumatic um event being released from arsenal and kind of losing that part of my identity and and from that point there was a story or a myth that i told myself um on a, a pretty deep and subconscious level that i'm just not good enough but that that notion that thought permeated its way into lots of things i did this kind of undercurrent of just you're just not good enough you're just not good enough which is a very disempowering story and i think a lot of people you know have have a little you know little hint of that going on with their psyche or some sort of version of that and then it was and then going back through with the journaling course it was about really looking at that looking at the trauma that that created un understanding okay well how did i feel okay i'm not good enough and then looking at what happened after that and after that you know i ended up went out to the us i had I got a scholarship had a wonderful four years in the sunshine playing football made some lifelong friends so i realized actually what happened my life actually got better after this thing that was supposedly so traumatic and um, and so then what, what i realized and this was a real penny drop moment for me with that was that the story that i told myself was that i wasn't good enough but the real story is that actually that path no longer served me and there was a better path waiting mm. and when i realized that it was like this click because it's like ah that's a more empowering story you know that path no longer served you and there's a better one waiting and it's just it just completely reframed that whole chapter of my life in my it was almost like i reprogrammed my subconscious by sort of going through that process and realizing oh shit that that is not the that's not the story to tell that's this is the story to tell and um so i think you know understanding your own 
what's got you to this point here all of the life events you know we all go through significant emotional events throughout life and then they make us think a certain way about who we are and what we're able to achieve in the world and it's kind of understanding what those events are how they did make you feel and why you know that might not be the true story i think understanding yourself because to, to know what you want you have to know who you are if you don't know who you are you can't figure out what you want so you kind of have to do some work to figure out what's got you to this point here and i think journaling is is one of the best tools for that because a lot of the answers that to all of this we have we just don't create the space to explore them and i think if you have a, a structure and a practice to allow these things to come out and to you know get some words down on the page then you do get to a point of, of sort of excavating you know the depths of your psyche and understanding yourself at a deeper level and then once you understand yourself then i think you can come to that point of okay well what do I, now what do i what do i want now that i've figured out a little bit on a, a bit of a deeper level of who i really you know am and what's got me to this point where do i want to go from here and for me as well you know that like i say that that exercise it was it was the last day of a four-day writing exercise where we wrote about the, the, you know, the last day that you're alive. And that was huge, huge for me. And obviously, you know, different things will resonate with different people. But for me, zooming out to that point and creating, really vividly creating a version of myself that, you know, has done all the things that, that you know, I can imagine that I'd want that, that version of me to do and has achieved all these things, has brought all these things into the world and, and he's going to die sort of a happy man with what he's, he's achieved. It was, it was deep, profound. It was powerful because I was thinking about my children, my, my daughter didn't, didn't have the other one yet then, but you know, thinking about that, thinking about, you know, how are they going to remember me? And it was, I think when you can bring, you know, emotion to visions, it, it just adds a different layer of, uh, of, of kind of power to, to what they can create for you in terms of how, you, you know, you then, integrate them into your life it's like with gratitude you know like a lot of people have gratitude journals and they go i'm grateful for my dog i'm grateful for the coffee machine I'm grateful, you know and it's, it becomes just t- check, checking boxes but mm. but to really use the power of gratitude you, what you need to do is to feel into the, the gratitude if you know if you're thinking of the gratitude you have for your mom to the point where you know it almost brings you to tears you want to feel it so deeply because that is where the magic is of the, of the of gratitude if you can cultivate that level of emotion around gratitude rather than just grateful for the table you know it's it's it becomes much more profound and deep process and so for me it's about attaching deep kind of emotion um to to, to visions in order to um to just motivate me now and to make me realize or to, to to understand if these are the things that you know i can say i want to dedicate my life to you know and it's yeah it's, it's not an easy process and it's, it's you know the this part of it the journey it's, it's been a it's been years of, of kind of self-discovery and for me interacting with things like plant medicines and you know kind of just trying to understand myself on a deeper level but it's, it's definitely not it's not something that you can can happen overnight but it's, it is a process that can begin and journaling is a great place to start you know for sure and then like i say i've, I've had experiences with other things like plant medicines as well that have definitely helped me along along the way as well to understand myself a bit more but ultimately it's it's different ways of coming to know who you are on a deeper deeper level 
Yeah, I love it. Because um, it's almost like these sort of answers, such as like, who are you, right? Like, no one's going to give you these answers. <laughs> it's like, here you go. This is who you are. You're not going to get that just from like someone telling you or even even a book right it's like that process of self-discovery and it does take time and i've had these periods in my life as well where i always used to say yeah it's like a it's like a cloudy feeling i always like associate it with images such as like i'm like going through the clouds almost but then if i sit with that for a time then after a while then like sunshine might start coming through and then sometimes that's just a little beam sometimes it's like a full ray of sunshine you're like I'm so clear now and this is what I got to do, right? It kind of differs over the course of it. You get these different moments of cloudiness, just like the weather. And sometimes it's like, you just got to trust in this little beam of sunshine with going, all right, well, I see that it's not so clear, but I got to trust into in it versus like sometimes, yeah, it, it is just really clear and you, you know, it's like you can't do anything else, but to give into, into that action, which is, um, yeah, really, really interesting. So it's good to hear your sort of perspective on it and how, how you've approached it. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, yeah, thank you for asking. Uh, so I guess uh, bringing it back to the um, physical training realm as well. Um, and, you know, I think you and I share this mutual love of locomotion, ground-based movement. You know, it's a very awesome practice. I wanted to ask, how do you normally like to get people started within this area? You know, when they come to class for you, you know, do you have any specific um, things that you immediately get or, or favorites that you like sharing with people? I guess with a, with a complete um, newbie to it, the, cause you know, you're spending a lot of time down in a squat and, you know, obviously for us very used to being down there a lot, but for, for new people, you know, it can be it, well depending on where they're at it can be a pretty uncomfortable place to, to be so i always think you know that the squat is is a you know a fundamental position to try to get to a point of finding some comfort in because you're going to be down there a lot <laughs> um and then you know it's, it's loading loading the wrists loading you know there's a lot of, lot of that going on so there's there's a there's a drill actually that i really enjoy um that the, well, the, the, the concept of the idea of it was introduced to me by Tom Wexler. And this is the idea of being able to move in eight possible directions. So if you imagine a compass, north, south, east, west, northwest, southeast. So I like to get people to sit in a squat and then just to sometimes um, single hand, sometimes both hands. You can, there's a few different, quite different, few different variations you can explore with it. But just to go from that, that squat where the weight is sitting into your feet to then place the hands down the ground and then think of shifting and tipping the weight through straight arms, so you're lifting the hips up as if you're going to potentially, you know, if you're going forwards into uh, a handstand press, up onto the tiptoes, and then shift the weight back into a squat. Then you pick a new direction, and then you start to just always coming back to that same original starting point, but just loading around these different patterns. That's often a place that you know start people with in terms of a warm-up just to explore how how do they deal with going to southwest you know like twisting there because you know there's some body organization involved in there um you know there's loading the wrists how high can they get their hips how you know how much how much can they lean into wrist flexion so i think it's quite a nice one just to get people to explore getting their hands down the ground initially um yeah it's it's you know it's 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 very varied because everybody's entering it 
at you know at different points so in, in classes that tends to be a drill that we might use to, to just get people to warm up the wrists and, and load and um you now we just tend to start super slow really trying to break down movements into as many you know small progressions as possible before piecing them together so that you know nobody gets left behind in the class and everybody yeah is able to to get through all of the drills um but yeah it tends tends to be tends to be there really just getting down to squat and starting to load, load the wrists a little tends to be the, the starting point i guess for for lots of people there yeah i really love that drill um it's like a very experiential um drill for almost having them feel how weight tra- transfer is from their supports from their the feet to the hands and in a very like a mm-hmm. intentional way but not in a maybe like comfortable pattern type of way where they might be very comfortable with like north just in front of them but then going backwards then they have to start experiencing that and like southwest mm-hmm. then like all the awkward angles that's um yeah that's really nice i i, I really like that one yeah it's 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 nice and uh, yeah i definitely encourage you to think about it in through lots of different lenses because we we, we can apply that eight directions concept to so many different ways of loading you can go two hands down single hand down you can go kind of like lean in all the way into the hands and then a little frog jump to the feet frog jump back there's 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 so many different iterations of exploring it but i just like the idea of trying to introduce this sort of 360 degree approach to okay i'm starting in a squat i can move anywhere from here and just teasing in that layer of understanding of okay if i'm going that way i load i organize my body in this way and then like you say as well the idea of weight shifting you know just really sort of feeling into okay i'm feeling that center of gravity over my base of support in my feet i'm going to shift it into the hands let me feel how it feels to shift as much weight as i can into there and then back and so i think it's, it's quite sensory in that sense if you get people to to notice and so a lot of what we try to do is to is to um, shine a light on, on certain things so that people can feel, have that layer of awareness in terms of how, or the sensations that are coming up as they're moving. And how do you help teach people to achieve like the aesthetic quality of like flowing like water along the ground in locomotion? Because, you know, let's face it, when we first saw all this stuff, you know, that's uh, also what we saw and we thought that was pretty sick and wanted to achieve that, but it's a lot harder <laughs> versus just watching it. So yeah. H- how do you go about explaining it or like teaching people to achieve this sensation? So, well, there's, there's a, there's a couple of ways that I'll, um, I'll, I'll answer that. So, in, in one respect, the, an analogy that I often give to people that are coming to class is just yeah, is about babies. So when babies are first known to walk, they're shit at walking. You know, they, they, they stumble, they fall over, they, they, you know, they don't look very efficient. They're kind of flapping their arms all over the place. And, but they, you know, there's no layer of ego there. There's nothing that sort of says, oh, I'm no good at this. That, that guy, that baby's good at walking. I'm not good at walking. I'm, I guess this is not for me. They just keep playfully exploring, keep trying, showing up every day, walking a bit more. And then eventually, you know, we're all just walking around completely unconsciously because it's just become second nature. And, you know, you know with, with some of the 
you know, the more fundamental locomotive patterns and movements. When you know, I'm sure you notice this as well. It's it's no, it's almost no different to walking now in terms of how you get through them. You know exactly where your hands need to be placed. You know where your center of gravity needs to be. Whereas somebody coming for the first time, they're still at that layer of like, okay, is my does my hand go here or here? How do I how do I shift? You know, where where does my body need to be in order for me to transition from here to here? But it's and it's almost like when you first learn or are shown a movement, you, you download this map from point A to point B, but the map doesn't have much detail on it. It's kind of a shitty map. And sometimes, you know, you go down a dead end. And sometimes, you know, you go, you know, you can't get through this way. And then, and then eventually you come back to it and you add a little bit more detail to the map and a bit more detail to the map. And eventually you're getting from A to B really efficiently. And eventually you don't even need the map. You, ju- you can just, you can just do it. And it's, it's, and I find it's a little bit like that. So that's, that's, that's in one sense, I feel like how people learn movement in general, you know, it's, it's kind of this gradual process of it becoming more and more familiar until it feels, you know, it's, it's actually, it's in the library, it's added to your vocabulary. It's just a, you know, it's something that you can just do. Um, then, so in, in one of the recent classes, we explored the, uh, this idea of the skating effect. So, you know, when one limb Say, say you're doing a reverse leg sweep you know that you know that leg is coming around nice and light it's almost skating along the floor so what what what, what how does that happen you know it's, it's this idea of weight shifting around creating one limb to be nice and light so that we can create that skating effect and so and i think obviously that that effect when you are able to apply it to a pattern can start to look quite nice and flowy and so lots of different drills that we would unpack to explore how to create this in, in terms of in, in through different drills. Um, and then, then it's just a case of, of practicing it. I think once people get the idea and they understand the concept of, okay, in order to create that skating effect and for my foot to look like it's just gliding along the surface, I need to be stabilizing across all of the other limbs that are touching the ground and, and able to take that limb through a nice big articular motion and not make it jerky you know, smooth um and then it's just about practice you know it's, it's so they once they understand that, that that concept of what we're trying to achieve you know then if, it, if it's possible to them at that point great run with it keep keep going keep doing it keep doing it so you can throw that that map away but then if not it's just keep practicing keep exploring keep figuring it out um and just unpacking it so uh, yeah I think without sort of trying to explain a lot of the drills which I think is so difficult without sort of uh, visually seeing them it's um, it's, uh, it's a process of um, yeah just exploring different ways of of creating that skating effect that lightness of one limb through just various uh, and we'll explore that through lots of games and partner drills and whatnot yeah and something I've wanted to ask you and shine a light on from what I've seen is that you run a lot of your classes outdoor are they all outdoor we try to be outside as much as possible Mm -hmm. i think um i think it's just really good for people to to be outside and and to to move outside i feel like especially with uh, the movement community tends to be more prevalent in places where the weather's good and you can be outside whereas obviously that's not not the case over here and we're starting to move into uh, a season now where outdoor sessions are going to become less and less of a thing so we will be moving to to some indoor sessions fairly soon i think when we can to be outdoors is is, is just nice you know it offers people 
you know, it's a nice, uh, a nice experience to just move, move out outdoors in lots of interesting ways. And the other thing as well, I'll say, mention, so with the movement sessions, we're not always teaching technical movements and, you know, patterns. So it's, it's kind of two areas that these, these, these sit in. So a lot of the partner drills that we'll explore just encourage free movement. So there might be some rules that you're trying to adhere to with your partner guiding you through. But these, these rules will encourage you to move your body in a certain way. So it's like physical problem solving. You know, you, there's a problem to solve and you have to use your physicality in order to, to solve it. Um, there's, no, there's no technical cue or um, there's no f- technique in terms of how you're supposed to do it. It's just see what's possible explore what's possible for your that limb that that joint that that range of motion for you at the time um, and and the, so these tend to be more f- called free movement drills and this is i find these really interesting for people particularly things like the human experience to just explore moving because a lot of people who never had exposure to that way of moving it's really liberating because you're just twisting and turning and moving in all these ways that you might have felt a bit more inhibited to move but when there's a there's a game it's like okay right let's do it i'm, I'm moving that way and 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 like i said this, this is a lot less technical we're not learning any um patterns so to speak we're just exploring what's possible for us in, in the moment and so those are the two sort of areas of uh, of movement that we teach and i feel like those those sessions are valuable because i think when you take your body through these unusual patterns you're kind of upgrading the software so to speak of of uh, your your movement computer you know and your your, your body is getting this this library of understanding of being loaded in these lots of different places and i think that can kind of translate into your movement practice if your body's been used to being loaded in these other ways and it's got some reference points of how to stabilize how to how to stay in balance then once you go into learning a technical movement you know you've got some you've got some reference points there maybe subconsciously and do you think um maybe specifically uh, to counter for the locomotion practice um but yeah what are your thoughts around you know prehab the concept of prehab do you have a strong focus on that yeah, for sure. You know, we like to build certain elements of that into, you know, warm, warm ups and cool, cool downs as well. So just trying to make the joints as resilient as possible um, to, to deal with the, the practice that we do. So obviously wrist routines and you know, loading up the, the knees and ankles. Like, uh, Bo and I both did a, an Edo workshop called The Corset, which has got a lot of, a lot of content around, you know, just building joint resilience and resiliency so tend to incorporate lots of that sort of stuff into into uh, the sessions and it's part of, like i said it's part of warm-ups and cool downs just to give people some some tools to take away as well to because it's you know it's a slow process building building joint resiliency in, in that manner so it's about consistency and sort of regularly exposing them to, to that kind of work yeah and if you could share like um I guess one piece of advice for someone maybe starting out in this practice, what would you say? Um, it would be a mindset approach really just to em- embrace the beginner mindset and to embrace not being good at it immediately because the moment you're able to, to do the thing that you can't do now, 
is is you realize that's how you learn everything you know at some point you can't do it and then you you know you 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 get a teacher or you you um, you figure it out and you you do the work and you practice it and then you can do it and it's like that 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 is the model for, for achieving everything and um that was a huge game changer for me i think the first time i was able to do something that seemed like there was something that I looked at other people doing thinking, how do they do that? That's, I can't do that. That's not something I can do. And then went through the process of, okay, well, let's, um, let's learn this and learn, learning it and thinking, oh, oh, you can do it. It's like, okay, this is, I guess this is how everything's learned. And I think a lot of people, you know, that's, I think that's a, a difficulty with this sort of training is that some people see it and see it as a little bit inaccessible. I think, ah, oh, he can do that. I can't do that. He must've been doing that his whole life. It's like, you know, people write themselves off and think that things are, are not possible for them. But, but once you sort of try it and you're a bit, like you're open-minded, you know, you're like anything's possible. If you put your, put your mind to it and you do the work, it's, it's all there. It's just uh, understanding what's required and the, the level of work that is required for it. But it's, it's there if people want it. And what's been the most frustrating thing for you to learn? Oh, um, so for the one arm chin has been very frustrating because I've it's been so up and down I've I've worked on it and progressed and then developed some sort of niggle or injury and then had to regress it or um, you know something else has happened that's meant that my training hasn't had to carry on with it so it's, it's been it's been a frustrating one because it's, it's it's been a long time in the making I, I suppose that means that the day that it's there will be all the more sweet um so that's been that's been pretty frustrating um and then i mean there's there's, there's i often come i find sort of movement or floor work related stuff that i sort of i'll see and think okay let me have a look at that that doesn't look too difficult and then it's I, I'm like how is this person doing this and making it look so smooth because it's so hard and then um that and that happens that happens a lot so it's hard to sort of pinpoint one thing there but yeah like I mean locomotion is is the is probably in general is the thing that gives me probably the most joy but also the most frustration at the same time because because uh, <laughs> there's there's so many things that are that are still uh, still still feel difficult but um it, like I say it's it's, a, it's 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 equally fun because I know that eventually they'll be they'll be mine <laughs> just gonna keep on chipping away right like that's the thing sometimes you you see something yeah. and you go all right like I'll, I'll give that a go that that looks like almost achievable and then you you realize like how many how many levels beyond <laughs> how many how many how yeah how much more that you have to uh, spend or just be patient with before you um yeah pull it off yeah always happens yeah that's it i know yeah, some of the acrobatic stuff as well is, is, uh, is, a, is a, somewhere I want to dive into, I think, sort of early next year. Yeah, cool. Um, haven't, haven't gone too heavily into that yet, and I think it, it needs to be done. Definitely, indeed. That's the um, part of the practice that, for me as well, especially with uh, the combining of the fear element, I think is really like an area of personal growth as well right because every time you do it you go over backwards or something it's like you gotta you gotta face it you know are you up to the task and i think there's there's something like very enriching about that yeah yeah for sure i I love um when you know you can you can explore things like concepts like fear 
and bring that into into movement and sort of unpack and understand okay well what's my relationship with with fear like in the context of this movement and then you know how does that relate to you know life in a, in a wider sense mm-hmm. i like parkour for that so that, you know like precision jumps and these kind of things i find that really fascinating how we kind of get to this point of being able to manage fear enough that you know you can you can do precision jumps at a, you know some ridiculous height and just completely block everything out and just see it for the, the physical sort of task that it is without the layers of fear that are there super interesting because we've explored it in class this but you know not at the crazy level but just the idea of jumping to a specific marked spot and landing with precision but then you know taking it a few feet off the ground and even just a few feet all of a sudden then it's like oh there's consequences now mm. and it's yeah. uh it's it's quite interesting to to sort of explore what that does and how how you manage that to still be able to perform at your physical kind of optimal it's like the first time when you try and uh, handstand on top of a box and you gotta you gotta kick up and you're just like what's happening i've lost all ability now like i can't can't do it (laughs) yeah that's it the fear layer creeps in yeah Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting and who do you um yeah, where do you look around for inspiration and, um, you know, whether it's in the physical practice or outside of it, um, yeah, where do you normally look to? All over, I mean, you know, as, as a, much of a double-edged sword that, that social media and Instagram is, is I've, I've definitely found huge amounts of inspiration from there, especially in this practice, because like you said earlier on, you know, initially you look around and there's not that many people doing it it feels like but then you know over the years through social media you sort of see oh there's a you know if you look at the the kind of global community of people doing this there's a a lot of people out there and um yeah just i'm hugely inspired by lots of lots of what i see on instagram practitioners working around around the world so that's that's a huge source i like to read um get a lot of inspiration from, from reading books and that sort of thing as well um and yeah, I think I get a lot of inspiration just from family as well, from my daughter. And I've got a little boy on the way next as well. So sort of, uh, yeah, thinking about you know, them and how they're developing just gives me a lot of inspiration too. Yeah, very exciting times for you. For you. And um, is there any particular book maybe that you can share with us that you would uh, recommend that recently you've read? Um. One, one I read recently, it's a very short book. It's, it's really good. It's, it's one called The Four Agreements by a guy called Don Miguel Ruiz. I love um, this one. Yeah, it's a, it's a really nice book. Um, I read it I read it a long time ago and then reread it again recently. And, uh, just uh, really resonated in a nice way. I won't, give, I won't give away what the agreements are. People have to uh, um, buy it to read it, but it's, it's, it's awesome. And it's, uh, it's a, a really nice short read, but... Uh, a very uh, profound one mm. and for upcoming now from here until the end of the year well i know you got the little one you know on the way but uh in terms of your plans and what's going to happen upcoming uh yeah maybe for the listeners what have you, what have you got so we've got a human experience on the 23rd of october that's going to be the last one of the year. Then we, 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 have, we have a Christmas event happening on the 4th of December. That will be, um, there'll be some movement there, a bit of a supper club as well. Um, 
that'll be really nice. Then we have regular flow state classes going on throughout the year. And then what else? I've got a, two more digital detox retreats in November and December. And then that's it. That's it. That's what, those are all the kind of projects that are going on. And then lots of one-to-ones, um, family time. Like I say, preparing for this next edition. It's going to get crazy again. Just getting ready. Might have to start training myself to d- deal with less sleep. Because, uh, <laughs> that is no doubt going to be the case from end of jam. Yeah, you'll be you'll be challenged on one of those pillars, mate. Which uh, you, you always hear like one is um one is one is tricky. Two is a uh, yeah another beast. <laughs> have you got two? No, I've only got one. So oh, okay. yeah, uh, you can you can fill me in and, and let me know. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'll have to just uh, maybe I'll revise the uh, the four pillars and it'll be three for then. No, no restoration. <laughs> just screw that one up and throw it in the trash yeah, for a month or so. Four pillars <laughs> uh, with an asterisk where it's just the in- intermittent. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, you know, it's been a pleasure connecting with you, Alex, and hearing you know all your thoughts and a variety of. Um, subjects you know movement and beyond and i really appreciate you sharing us your perspective likewise man thank you for having me it's been uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you thank you for letting me waffle on and uh, share share where i'm at <laughs> it was our pleasure thanks alex awesome that was it guys that was episode 60 with alex sesto hope you guys enjoyed that one for me I really enjoyed hearing about how he utilized that journaling practice to help him find out deeper layers of how he was operating. And it's gotten me thinking more about that tool of, you know, just the notebook and the pen and how, how with such simple tools, it can provide such an impetus for such powerful action. Hope you guys got something out of that conversation as well. Thank you very much for listening, especially all the way to the very end. Remember, I'd love to hear your feedback from you guys and if you have any questions, if you have any recommendations as well. So feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. That's at P-H-A-O-N-P, P, Or you can go onto thepassivehang.com and find my contact details there. All right, that's it for today. As always, more episodes coming out very soon. So I'll see you in the next one.